So please turn with me to Mark chapter 6, which is where we will be spending the majority of our time this morning as we continue our study in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 6, we'll be starting at verse 30. I'm going to be introducing our text from Ezekiel 34, though. So you may want to put your finger in Mark 6 and then turn over to Ezekiel 34. It's after Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations. And we're going to introduce our text from there because I think it sets the tone for where we're going to be today. Ezekiel's a fun, fun old book. Uh, so we might, we might get to that one day. But for now, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help with the text this morning. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we pray that you would use it to teach us, that you would use it not only just to inform us, to give us more knowledge, but also to change our hearts, because knowledge is nothing if our hearts aren't right. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, that you would change our hearts, that you would show us our sin and convict us of it, that you would grow us closer to you, closer to one another, that we might better glorify your name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so in Ezekiel 34, I'm going to read the first 10 verses. And just for a little bit of context here, Ezekiel is set in a period of exile. The people of Judah have been exiled to Babylon. Ezekiel is also in Babylon. And here he is talking about one of the reasons they are there. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed their sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak have not, you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed have not, brought, have not been brought back, the lost you have not sought, with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and over on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and not because my shepherds have not searched for and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and will require my sheep at their at their hand and put not and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Remember, from our time in Isaiah, the people of Judah were being attacked by another nation called Assyria, and they sought help from this nation called Babylon that was kind of an upstart, and that had also 
been attacked by Assyria at some point. But if you keep reading throughout the Old Testament books, you will realize that Babylon is actually a future conqueror as well. One of the major problems of the people of Judah that had led to their judgment of the Lord was these bad shepherds. This is not concerning the people, obviously, that took care of actual sheep, but the men who took care of the people of Judah, the elders among the people. Judah had their sins, but if you want to see the roots of their sins, you look no further than their leaders. Just like if a church goes off the rails, where do you look? You look to the pastor. You look to the elders in that church. This text in Ezekiel underlines the problem in Judah very well. It shows you the Lord's plan to deliver his people even, which will have a very near fulfillment for those people and a rising up of godly leaders among the people, which you see in their history. But it has an ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. If you continue to read and study Ezekiel 34, you'll see this spelled out. The Lord says he's going to search for his sheep and he's going to find them and he's going to bring them in. This makes me think of another passage. Well, we read one today, Psalm 23. It also makes me think of John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd. And he talks about his lost sheep and that they will know his voice and he will draw them to himself. One thing I encourage you to study is we don't have time for that today. Just look at this passage. Look at Ezekiel 34. Look at it with John 10. I think it would be a very enriching study for you. But in our text today, back in Mark chapter 6, we're going to have this same kind of tension. We're going to have a bad shepherd, particularly compared to the one that we talked about last week in Herod. And we're going to have Jesus, who alone is able to feed his people the right way. So one of the challenges with this text in Mark chapter 6, as we get to it, it's like, like so many in the gospel stories, is our ideas as we come to the text, this This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle to be recorded in all four of the Gospels. I've heard teachers go on a long time talking about the number 5,000 and how it was probably more and, and all this other stuff. The number of the people is significant, sure. Those other numbers are significant in the story, absolutely. But there is much more that we need to focus on. First and foremost, we need to focus on Christ. We need to focus on Christ as the good shepherd. We'll see his own calling of us to that work as well. So as we work through this text, I want to consider two easy and opposite points. First, the bad shepherd, and then the good shepherd. And so look with me back in Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. And please stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns And got there ahead of them. When he went to shore, he saw a great crowd. And he, Jesus, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of all the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. And so just a quick context. Remember last week we saw a story of this man named Herod. We saw his struggle with the words of John the Baptist. And then we saw as he stopped struggling and had John killed. One thing we didn't deal with concerning Herod was the idea of his leadership over the people of that region. Herod was part of a much larger dynasty. You can go and study the Herodian dynasty. It is filled with lots of things. It's like a circus act almost. And it had ties. This Herodian dynasty had ties to the Jewish people. The the Herodians were probably Edomites, which if you remember, the Edomites were descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. There was evidence that suggests that Herod and his fathers before him kept the Jewish traditions, or at least nominally kept the Jewish traditions. It doesn't change things, of course, but it does set things up for us to kind of understand his role among the people. He had the same role of any leader to an extent. Herod was a kind of shepherd to the people. But as we read last week, he obviously wasn't a very good one. He killed the one who spoke the words of God. He would later be complicit in killing the son of God. While the leader of the people, he cared very little for them. Herod is a picture of the bad shepherds that we saw in Ezekiel's day from Ezekiel 34. In any day, really, we can see this in our own day. So as we get into our text today, I want us to look at this idea. Because the people here, I think, the people in this text, demonstrate many tendencies of lost sheep. Jesus notices that. Mark makes sure that we should notice that as well as he records this thing. So it not only helps us to see a picture of the lost, but it helps us to see what we, as the people of God, have to offer them. It brings me to the first point, the bad shepherd. So look with me again at verses 30 through 32. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. So you kind of get the idea here. Remember some time back, as we were talking, the disciples were sent away to do ministry in the surrounding area by Jesus himself. And so now what we get is the picture of them all arriving back together. And you can imagine, they're all being sent out to do ministry, and they all come back. They all have these nice tales of adventure that they want to tell. And Jesus wanted to hear them. He was their shepherd. He was their leader. Not only that, think about it this way. 
Imagine these young guys going out into the countryside doing ministry for the first time, really, by themselves. And they had all these stories and they had all these questions. And Jesus wanted to be with them by themselves and help them to process those stories. I know as a young pastor, it was sometimes really hard for me to process all the different events and all the families and all the goings-ons that were happening in a church. And having another shepherd there was very helpful for me just to be able to talk through these things. It's a lot to process. So whatever they wanted to talk about, Jesus wanted them to go away to a desolate place. The word here, desolate, gives us a picture of a place where there aren't people. When we think of the word desolate, we think of like a desert place, this gray place where there's nothing, you know, but this isn't necessarily the wilderness. Just think of a secluded, unappropriated place, a place that hasn't been settled by farms or people, kind of like layout ground that is just out there growing up, maybe a forest or something like that, kind of like the wilderness, but more hospitable. It's a place where Jesus and the disciples could have gotten away and had some peace, but not had any necessary like physical hardships. A place where they could get away from the crazy of everyday ministry that they were experiencing at this point, to reflect and to rest. And I think we do well to notice that ourselves here. The measures that Jesus and his disciples took to get away from the crowd, notice, they didn't work very well. Because the people saw them trying to get away. Look at verses 32 and 33. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place. And now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns. And they got there ahead of them. Just imagine this for a second, right? I mean, you, you can kind of picture what's going on here. When I think of this kind of following, it makes me think of celebrities you know people follow celebrities around celebrities don't really have anything substantial to offer us they need to be reminded of that however jesus did have something substantial to offer and these people were following him around he did have something he drove out demons he healed the sick he raised the dead the story was out he was no longer this just kind of local attraction but everyone was hearing about him and you kind of get this funny picture just imagine this scene in a movie right jesus and his disciples they get on a boat and they're like let's go to a desolate place and someone sees them and then all of a sudden the rumor mill starts and then everyone simultaneously takes out on foot from all the towns and they get there ahead of them it's pretty incredible if you think about it it's a funny picture and it's significant, I think, that, that, that Mark tells us that they ran there on foot because they didn't bring their wagons and their livestock to haul supplies. They brought very little with them. They traveled some distance to get there. Even 10 miles is some distance when you're on foot. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to get there quickly. They wanted to get there ahead of him. And so when Jesus sees them, notice his reaction. Verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. They thought they were going to this desolate place, and here comes the circus. And he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So a literal translation here of this word compassion 
is to be moved in one's inward parts. You know, the kind of reaction that when you see something and it moves you to tears or it causes your stomach to turn over. You know, we've all heard that news that kind of like causes us to just ugh, kind of cringe inwardly. It's a core kind of feeling. It's not a simple, oh, those poor people. But it's like walking among starving people, seeing their eyes, wanting nothing more than to give them something that you have. This deep, deep feeling that Jesus had. And why did he feel this way? Well, it tells us, the text tells us, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Picture it again. Jesus brought his own disciples out to this desolate place, but they had him. When they were going out to this desolate place, he, Jesus, was their shepherd. He was going to guide them. They went because he was there. But these people came out to a desolate place and they had no one. They had Herod. They had the Pharisees. They had the Sadducees. They, they had the Roman government. In short, they had nothing. And the disciples picked up on their plight. Look at verses 35 and 36. And when it grew late, this is after Jesus had been teaching these people that followed him. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. Stating the obvious. And the hour is now late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy, and buy themselves something to eat. To buy themselves something to eat. Interesting. This place is desolate. The hour is late. Send them out there to feed themselves, please, Lord. What's out there? Well, it's just more of the same, right? More desolation. Of course, the need at hand is food. But what we are seeing here is a picture of the ultimate need that food can for, that food cannot satisfy, that only Christ alone can satisfy. When we look around at the world today, whatever realm you are in, you can see this same kind of thing if you look at it. The disciples were so focused on their special time with Jesus and their special little trip that they didn't see the needs at hand. They couldn't wait for the people to go away so that they could get back to their special little Jesus time. We don't do that at all, do we? We always see the sheep of this world as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and we give them all that we have. Now this isn't a guilt trip. So please don't hear this and think, well, I'm not good enough now. No, you're not. I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil the surprise. But that's okay. Because most people who claim to have lots of compassion on the lost are really just faking it. Because that's easy to do as well. Anytime the church comes up with some kind of standard of spiritual perfection, there are those who are going to fake it to convince others that they're somehow special. We all know that. We all struggle with this at some level because we're all sinful. We all love ourselves more than we love others. Had we been there with Jesus on that day, we might have wished, I just wish this crowd wasn't here. Jesus brought us out here to have this special time with him, and now all these people show up. And now we've got to take care of them. I think the important thing here is for us to remember that if someone isn't in Christ, then where are they? 
They're in the world. There's no halfway place. Well, they're almost saved. Well, they're really a good person at heart. They're religious. They went to youth group all through high school. They attend church now. All those things are good things. But if someone isn't in Christ, they are in the world. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They will chase around anything and everything that seems like it could satisfy. They'll take off on foot with no supplies to even the most hostile places to find any fake shepherd out there. The people of Israel demonstrated this throughout their history. Just read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. It gets more and more abysmal toward the end. They worship gods like the Baals and the Asherahs. They worship one named Molech, who was a god that required infant sacrifices. When they had a god that brought them through the wilderness safely, that fed them in the wilderness, that kept them all of those years, and they said, you know what, God? We like this one that's going to make us kill our babies. We have to be careful as Christians, because if they do come here, to Redeemer even, what are we going to offer them? Much the same as the world? Are they going to, are we going to sift through the world's resources in order to satisfy them their needs? Or will we offer Christ? And that brings me to the next point, the Good Shepherd. Look with me at verses 37 and 38. But he answered them. Jesus, hearing the the disciples saying, hey, can we just send these folks away to go into the city and buy some food? Even though the hour was late, where are they going to go, right? Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, I love this response from them because they're, they're thanking people. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out and they said five and two fish. Notice the disciples here. We have to be careful not to judge them. It's really easy to do because we too are short-sighted and forgetful. These are the men that watched Jesus calm the storm, mind you. These are, and three of them, three of them were with him when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Yet Jesus, when he says, you feed them, you, you twelve, you feed them. They say, Jesus, we can't. They wanted to go into the nearby towns and buy 200 denarii worth of bread, which is silly. Because 200 denarii is more than half a year's wages worth of bread. What town, what ten towns even have that much bread? Right? None of them. These are like small little villages all over the place. It's a lot of bread. What were they going to do? Carry it back to town? I mean, what, or carry it back from the town to these people at a late hour? Don't miss it. They had Jesus right in front of them. And they had this, they had an answer for Jesus. Oh, we know what to do, Jesus. The one who calmed the storm, the one who raises the dead. We know what to do. We're just going to go buy lots of bread. That makes sense. They wanted to go get something else to satisfy the hungry people. Just a few minutes earlier, they just wanted to send them away. Jesus says, you feed them. So they went and they gathered some supplies. John's gospel 
John chapter 6 tells us that it was a boy's lunch. This little boy came, came ready. No one else did. For some reason, this little boy was ready to go. He had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, okay, have everyone sit down. And more important than all the numbers that you see here, and there are a lot of numbers here, and I've seen people just do gymnastics with them. A lot of numbers. And we have to guess about the meanings of those numbers. We don't have to guess about the other very plain symbols. First notice, where does he have them sit? And he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. Seems like just a few minutes ago, we read something in our call to worship about the green pastures that the good shepherd leads his sheep to, did we not? He leads them beside green pastures because he's a good shepherd. Mark didn't record this act, this detail on accident. It was a detail that wasn't lost to the apostles e- either, especially later in their ministries. Jesus was the good shepherd. He leads them to green pastures beside still waters. He restores their soul. And notice what else is going on here. He has them sit in groups of hundreds and fifties. And this wasn't so that Jesus could get a head count. But this has to do with pointing all the way back to Exodus chapter 18. In Exodus 18, Moses is having trouble taking care of all the people. And his father-in-law comes up to him and says, Hey, you need to separate these people into groups and you need to appoint elders over them in groups of hundreds and fifties. This is a group of, this is a picture of the good shepherd calling his own now to feed the sheep. And not only that, he's empowering them to do so. Verses 41, 42. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, set them before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and they were satisfied. Now we have no idea what what this looked like or how this went on. But he took this small amount that the disciples stole off that little boy and he multiplied it times 5,000 plus. And they all ate and they all ate to the full. And not only that, there were 12 baskets of food left over. How many disciples were there? 12. This is pretty easy for us to see, right? Because when we we lie upon our own strength, when we rely upon our own ability... When we offer something that the lost world is already offering to itself, we're going to come up short every single time. That little bit of food would have, wouldn't have fed five people, much less 5,000 plus. Yet when it comes from the Lord, that well never dries up. Remember Elijah and the widow of Zarephath and the oil and the flour we talked about in Sunday school. When did the oil and flour ran out? Exactly when the Lord wanted it to. There's an old hymn that goes like this. And I love, I love the old hymns because they teach us so much. It says, many weary years I vainly sought a spring, one that would never run dry. Unveiling all the earth to, could, unveiling all that the earth could bring. Nothing seemed to satisfy. Drinking at the fountain that never runs dry. Drinking at the fountain of life am I. Finding joy and pleasure in abounding measure, I am drinking at the fountain of life. 
What do we offer the lost of this world? First, understand that there are material needs that folks need. Starving people need Christ, but they first need food. Don't get me wrong there. And Christians, what do we need to offer? We need to be ready to offer those things to people who have need. The material needs of this world are important. Christians should be ready to offer those things. Absolutely. I think, in fact, in one, one thing that the church has forgot, especially in this country, that it's, it's not the government's job to do that. The church should be doing that. The reason that the church is no longer doing that is because we've gotten satisfied with other things. If that's all we do, though, if that's all we do is feed them a meal, give them something to drink, give them shelter, then we stop short of showing them the fountain that never runs dry. We're only showing them something that won't last. They'll be hungry again tomorrow. Yet if we offer them Christ, they'll never have any kind of spiritual hunger or thirst ever again. When we offer them Christ, we offer them the only hope in this world. The people of the world are helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't have, they don't need seven things to help them be better helpless sheep. They need a shepherd. And so what we have to offer them is Christ, the shepherd. When Christ looks at us, brothers and sisters in Christ, and says, you feed them. What's the food that we're going to give them? We're going to tell them how to be better people, how to live in a lost world a little bit better. Those are good things, but if we don't offer Christ, we're offering them nothing. Jesus said that the fathers ate manna in the wilderness. Remember when God brought manna to them. But what did those fathers do? They died. What Jesus has to give them is a bread that gives life to the world. Are we being faithful to offer them that bread? In conclusion, let me encourage you. If you know someone who is struggling, maybe... This has struck a nerve with you and you think, okay, I know someone who this who really needs to hear this, who is a sheep without a shepherd. Let me encourage you. Bring them here. They will hear about Jesus, rest assured. If they don't, then please get someone else to do what I'm doing. There will be others who need to know Jesus. This is where they can find rest for their souls. Maybe you're having a hard time telling them about Christ directly. So let me encourage you, bring them here. Not only will they hear the gospel, but they'll be around people who also need Jesus. And we all have that in common. Let's do that together as a group. Let us be a group who are showing Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to a lost world who needs him. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus. We admit that on our best days, we are sheep who kind of want to wander away from you. On our worst days, we've already fallen into a pit. We are thankful that you are right there with us. That you not only lead us beside green pastures and still waters, you restore our soul. You walk with us in the bleakest and most desolate times and places of our lives. You are right here with us.
So Lord, help us because we know others who see those desolate places but do not have a shepherd. Help us to point them to you, our good shepherd. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.